Are you using the positivity concept correctly? We are going to be talking about that and more in today's episode of Be a Better Lawyer. Hi, I'm Dina Cataldo, a master coach and ex-criminal prosecutor. I created Be a Better Lawyer podcast for driven lawyers like you who want more from life than sitting behind a desk. You've been playing by other people's rules. Those rules have left you overwhelmed, unfulfilled, and feeling like a hamster on a wheel. I've been there. I was doing everything people told me to do to be successful, working late nights, weekends, and trying to make everyone happy. So why wasn't I happy? And I wanted more in life. When was I going to find time to find and pursue that? Well, I did, and I'm sharing with you my secrets to living a happier and more fulfilling life. This podcast gives you a lifetime of wisdom, mindset principles, and bedrock strategies to give you unshakable confidence, more time to pursue your goals, a powerful sense of purpose to uplevel your life in law practice, and so much more. These are things we were never taught in law school. This podcast bridges the gap between law school and life. I'm so glad you're here. Let's get started. Hello and happy new year. Before we get started with today's topic, I want to let you know something. I have curated the essential Be a Better Lawyer podcast episodes into one place for you. You can download your Be a Better Lawyer podcast treasure map at dinacataldo.com forward slash map. I have created sections for you to binge around almost any topic you're interested in. Everything from anxiety to time management, from business building to confidence, and so much more all in one place. I have also hyperlinked to each and every episode so you can simply click on the episode in the PDF to be taken to the episode show notes with the podcast player. And in a lot of cases, there's a YouTube video too. So if you love the YouTube videos, you can find them there as well. And of course, you can listen to all of these episodes on any of your favorite podcast players. So you can download your treasure map at dinacataldo.com forward slash map. All right, let's dive into today's episode. It is a juicy one. I want you to picture this. You're at your desk looking at a stack of files. You open up your emails and you see dozens and dozens of emails that you need to look at. You tell yourself, I should have worked harder yesterday. Why did I put off doing that file? Now I'm behind. What is wrong with me? When am I going to change? These questions lead you down into a spiral of feeling bad about yourself and make you want to do anything but work. In fact, everything you do feels like a slog. You're slow. You're short with people who enter your office or who call you. You feel anxious and like there's just a ton of rocks weighing your chest down. And one of the things popular culture has taught us to pu- is to push through all of this. To remind yourself, you know, it's really not that bad. People have it so much worse than us. You know, you're lucky to have a job. And, you know, you should just stop complaining. Well, even when you do that, you feel horrible. Because when you push through, you may get some work done, but you feel like this is a never-ending loop. You might get a little done, and then you stop, and then you start, and then you stop, and then you start. It's like Groundhog's Day. You get up, you go to work, you go home, you crash. Where's your life? 
You feel disconnected from yourself and the people around you. No one seems to understand what you're going through and you don't have anyone you can confide in. And you can't possibly think about growing your practice or promoting within your organization because you simply don't have the time or the energy. And if this sounds like you, keep listening. Because from my personal experience with trying to push through, I can look back and see all of the harm that I caused myself, but I couldn't see it while I was in it. I was so deep in stress and worry that I didn't realize I was creating unhealthy relationships to feel better temporarily. I was seeking approval from bosses in an unhealthy way by working myself to death. Literally. I mean, if you know anything about my story, I was diagnosed with breast cancer at 29 years old as a young trial attorney. I wasn't taking care of myself physically or mentally, and I didn't have anyone I felt I could talk to about where I was at because I felt like we were being placed in competition with one another. And if you showed weakness, then you'd be looked down upon. And once I was able to learn what I'm going to share with you in this episode about the positivity concept, my life became so much easier. I wasn't telling myself that I should be happier. I actually was happier. <laughs> so let's talk about this. What is positive thinking? On the surface and what we're taught in, in society, okay, what we're taught by our parents, by the school system, by the movies that we watch, positive thinking is about thinking about the good and ignoring the bad. There's countless examples of this in our culture. Um, I don't know if you remember this song or if you've heard it. We've got to eliminate the negative and accentuate the positive, right? That's an old popular song sung by Bing Crosby, Aretha Franklin, and more. We're taught it's about keeping a stiff upper lip. In Peter Pan, we're taught to think happy thoughts. Or in The Lion King, we're taught Hakuna Matata. Right. So, so if you go online, you can actually find a plethora of positive thinking quotes to help, quote unquote, brighten your day. So there's a huge market for this. Our society is bred to believe that we need to be thinking happier thoughts because that's what's wrong. And I want to share with you that that's not what's wrong. Okay, I'm all, all for a good dance party. Right. I'm really all for listening to things that are inspiring. But if you notice that your problems keep coming back, and repeating themselves, then it's time to do something different. Kind of like when we dose ourselves with caffeine or food or alcohol to solve a problem, you get that momentary pleasure, but the next day it's the same old thing. You find yourself in the same place. And that's because there's a misconception about positive thinking and the way that it needs to be used. Positive thinking isn't wishful thinking or trying to be positive. It's not telling yourself you should be thankful or that you're fine when you feel like your office is burning around you. And before I tell you what positive thinking or using the concept of positivity really means, let's talk about what learning the true meaning of positive thinking, why it's important. So I want you to imagine that same scenario I mentioned above, but in this time, Okay, instead of feeling like it's impossible or thinking that there's something wrong, it actually becomes no big deal. Yeah, you have things to do, but you know you're going to do them. It's not a problem that you have emails. You'll do what you can. It's not a problem that you have files. You'll figure it out. Your body doesn't feel anxious. Instead, it feels calm, focused, certain. When you feel calm, focused, and certain, you go about your day differently. 
You plan and prioritize. You get things done. You even make time to think about working on your business and strategizing promotion. You're kinder to people. You're kinder to yourself. You go home and you leave work at the office. You even make time to go to the gym and be fully present with your loved ones at home. It's a very different life. And if you really feel into those calm, focused, certain feelings, they feel more natural. It feels more in harmony with life, more balanced. And whenever something feels balanced or in harmony, I know I'm moving more in the way I was intended. Whether you want to call it a higher power, divine intelligence, or nature, it makes sense. We weren't placed here to feel constant anxiety or worry or stress. We were placed here to learn how to be in harmony with what is around us and be in more emotional well-being. How do I know that? Look at the benefits of this. Let's just start with the health benefits here. These are all reported by Mayo Clinic. So this is science, people. In addition to simply feeling good, you get these benefits. Increased lifespan, lower rates of depression, lower levels of distress and pain, greater resistance to illness, better psychological and physical well-being, better cardiovascular health, and reduced risk of death from cardiovascular disease and stroke, reduced risk of death from cancer, from respiratory conditions, from infections, better coping skills during hardships and times of stress. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit relating to work. Knowing all of that, you can't convince me that it's not essential for us to learn this skill. And if you've taken a look around lately, though, it's not an easy task. You may even have a difficult time imagining feeling harmony or well-being right now. That's okay. The important thing is you notice that there's a possibility for a different life. It's made possible by rewiring your brain. So now that we have this concept, I want to talk to you about what rewiring your brain means. To do that, we need to talk about neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity is simply the brain's ability to continue evolving in response to life experiences. Life experiences including learning new ways to think and to behave in the world. They include learning new communication skills, new business skills, and more. The best thing about neuroplasticity is that it's a lifelong ability. You can be 70 years old and change. It may take more time to do it because you have more habits to unravel that aren't serving you, but you can do it with practice. And here's why what we've been taught about positive thinking as a culture is wrong. That way of teaching positivity ignores all the other programming that we've been fed over a lifetime. All the worrying, self-doubts, and negative self-talk habits we've accumulated over the years. All the people-pleasing and anxiety we've practiced over and over. It also ignores the actions needed to dissolve those worries, self-doubts, and negative self-talk, etc. This is a problem I'll sometimes see in my newer clients. They, they go through it, and sometimes clients who have been with me for a while, too, They've learned how mindset works on a superficial level, and their brain interprets mindset because of their prior experiences, right, their, their history with it, as needing to think happy thoughts to feel better. And you've probably heard me and other people tell you that your thoughts create your feelings. On a superficial level, then, it makes sense that you could just 
you know, replace the thought we have to create a new, better feeling. Kind of like you're breaking open a Lego set uh, and you replace a red block with a yellow block, right? You're like, okay, I should just be able to replace it all better, right? No, <laughs> that's not how it works. So for instance, if you have an office full of files and notice that you feel overwhelmed, you might tell yourself, it's okay, it's not overwhelming, I can do this, I'll figure it out. And then you start working while you still feel overwhelmed, right? You just push through it. You notice it's a slog. And then you notice yourself in the same old habits of telling yourself there's something wrong or you're not working hard enough. And that initial happy thought that you had did help you start moving, but then you fall into that old familiar pattern. The cycle continues. So what we do together is break that cycle and require something different of your brain. We rewire it. And when they, you first start coaching, right? Like you don't have a nuanced view of how mindset works. So you might subconsciously brush past the actions you need to take before you can truly feel better. And you might fall into the same habits at first. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But when you practice what I'm going to share, you're going to get into more prolonged states of well-being, that harmony I mentioned earlier. And when you're in that state of well-being, studies have shown that your focus increases, that you're better at problem solving more creatively, you think more clearly, you can communicate more clearly and openly, you can plan your time and energy more strategically, you can prioritize. And that's in addition to all of those physical health benefits that I mentioned. It's like playing chess instead of checkers. It's like being able to fly a Boeing 747 instead of a kite, right? This is a massive difference in how you show up in the world and how you produce and how you really connect with yourself and others. And I see this change all the time with my clients. They envision something larger for their firm and can think creatively about how to achieve it. Then they implement what they plan and they hit their goals without the overwhelm and stressing themselves over it. They analyze problems more clearly and can solve for those problems instead of going down a shame spiral. They stop feeling overwhelmed about everything they need to do and make a plan instead that prioritizes not only the work that's most important for them to accomplish their goals, but takes into account their needs as a human. Right? Imagine the scenario I mentioned at the start of this episode. Right, When you feel stress, you can then notice it when you have this tool and pivot. When you pivot, you can stop worrying and start thinking clearly about what needs to get prioritized. Instead of feeling paralyzed by your emails or your files, you can stop and plan because you're not worried about wasting time planning because you know this is strategy. You can access that logic part of your brain. Strategy is always worth your time because strategy helps you save time in the long run, your day, your week, your month, and your year. So instead of jumping into emails and feeling angry that people are wasting your time, you feel calm. You're objective. You're empathetic, right? Because you know everything's going to get done. You feel more calm, more certain, more focused. So how do you access this magical well-being that I'm talking about? Well, it's actually not magic at all. It's science. It's biology. Now, I'm going to share with you three steps to help you move away from this faux positive thinking, this faux positive concept, and into a true sense of well-being. And these steps are deceptively simple, but they're also a great starting point for anyone struggling with what I've been talking about here today. 
And I've also simplified them because I know you may be in a hurry in your day and you can't stop and process an emotion in the middle of your workday. It's actually some of the work I do with you as a client in our calls together. That's what makes such a huge difference is when we work together, we actually get to do that kind of thing in our session. But I want this to be as accessible to you as possible, even if you're not working with me yet. So let's start with step one, pause and notice. When you notice the old familiar feelings of overwhelm and worry and anxiety happening in your body, pause and notice what you're feeling. Describe it to yourself. Now, I didn't know what I was feeling back in the day, so if that's you too, I'm going to talk to you for a minute. That tense feeling you have in your body, that constant feeling of alert or feeling on edge, like you're holding your breath, like your shoulders can't possibly feel any tighter, that feeling isn't how you're supposed to feel on a majority of your day. I don't know if you know that. I didn't. That feeling is a normal feeling. But it's not a feeling we're meant to hold on to throughout our day. So when animals are stressed in the wild, they shake it off, right? There's a natural mechanism for that for them. Our brain, our human brain, has this reaction that happens that we create a habit. We create a habit to hold on to anxieties and worries. And this mindset work I'm sharing helps release that habit with practice and rewire your brain. It took me practice to notice how I was feeling and then to name it. So know it can be done. It takes practice. This practice interrupts all the thoughts happening in your head just long enough to do step two. So step two, when you pause and notice, then I want you to breathe. Take full breaths in and out, at least one big breath, but take as many as you need if you have the time to do it. This helps regulate your nervous system. The breath is a tool to help you self-regulate your emotions. It brings oxygen throughout all the systems of your body and it increases your blood flow. Because it does that, it helps you think more clearly too. That's why you notice such a quick snap difference when you take a few breaths. I know when I work with my clients and we do this in session, they notice almost immediately that they can think more clearly. It's because they've given themselves that moment to self-regulate, to down-regulate their nervous system. It's okay if your anxiety or your overwhelm isn't fully dissolved at this point. Just stay with the breathing for as long as you can. In court, you might be able to do this for a single breath, but when you're at your desk, you can do more. And now that you've interrupted your thought patterns, creating anxiety or overwhelm or whatever is happening in your body, and you've allowed yourself to just be present with them, not try to change them, but just be present with them and to notice them. Remember, it's Notice, pause, notice, breathe. Then I want you to do step three. Step three, ask yourself, what do I want to do? You don't need to latch onto a happy thought, right? This is where a lot of people think, okay, I just need to think happy thoughts. No, you don't need to do that. You just need to reset your brain long enough with steps one and two to help you regulate your nervous system. And then you can refocus your brain on what's most important in that moment. Okay, you don't need to force yourself into a faux happy thought. So how do you want to behave? What decision do you want to make? What will be most helpful for you in that moment? You can pick one of those questions. You could just have them on your, written on your desk. And when you notice that you're, you feel anxious or anything like that happening and you pause, notice, breathe, you can look down at your post-it and then read one of the questions. 
And then you just do that. You let your brain answer that question and you go. Asking yourself a helpful question like any of these that I just posed for you will allow your brain to naturally regain its focus. If you were paying attention at the very beginning of this episode, you might remember some of those questions that you, if you're in a highly activated nervous system where you're feeling anxious and overwhelmed, you might be asking yourself questions like, what is wrong with me? Why do I keep doing this? What's, you know, what is happening here? Versus, no, you don't need to ask yourself those questions. They're going to keep perpetuating the state you're in. You want to change your state. And in order to do that, you need to ask yourself different questions. Your brain needs to be directed just like a toddler needs to be directed away from the scissors. Okay. So these are the questions you want to have available to you. So these three steps may seem really simple, but they will have a profound impact on how you feel, how you practice the law, and how you interact with people. You're going to notice that the more you practice this process, the more aware you're going to get and the more present you'll become to your thoughts and your feelings. Then you're going to begin noticing there will be more and more time, right? More space, a gap between your thoughts and you reacting in a way that you don't like. For example, if you notice that you become angry at the drop of a hat, you're going to start feeling the anger rising up in your chest and you're going to take note of it just a moment before you open your mouth to stop, snap at someone. Okay. At first you might open your mouth and snap at someone, but then you'll notice it. And then the next time you might be able to pause just before you snap at someone and not do it, right? It's a progression. And then eventually you're going to like do it so much that it's going to feel a lot more natural to you. At first, it's going to really feel unnatural. It's because you're practicing a brand new habit and new habits always feel unnatural. Okay. But then you'll be able to start making conscious choices about how you behave. Or for example, if you notice that you feel panicked just before you dive into the email rabbit hole, you're going to get a moment of clarity that allows you to stop going down the rabbit hole and make a plan to prioritize what's most important instead. This is going to make a massive difference when you practice it. You're going to see your productivity skyrocket. You're going to have your sense of well-being. It's going to feel amazing. So we covered a lot in this episode. I want to summarize the big takeaways here for you. First, positive thinking does not mean pushing away negative thoughts and wallpapering them with happy thoughts. When you put wallpaper on top of dirty walls, the dirty walls are still there. Hey, you want to clean that up. So second, our brains have neuroplasticity that allows us to change our habitual way of being. So even if you felt overwhelmed and anxious since high school, you can change, right? You can always change no matter how old you are. Overwhelm is a habit and so is being in a state of well-being. Third, there are three steps you can take to help you reset your nervous system and your brain. When you practice these steps over time, it will feel more natural to be in a state of well-being than in a state of anxiety. You're going to notice it more and more. So one, pause and notice. Notice how you feel in your body. If you can, name what that feeling is. It's going to be a one-word emotion like anxiety, overwhelm, stress, et cetera. Two, breathe. At least one big breath, but if you have time, take a few more. Three, ask yourself a helpful question like, what's most helpful right now? Or what do I want to decide to do? This podcast really simplifies emotional processing to give you a tool you can use on your own when you're in the middle of a workday. 
But this is just one tool you can use to help guide yourself into a state of well-being. If you want to implement what you learned here in the podcast and learn how to process anxiety and stress that comes from the intensity of working in our current legal culture, I encourage you to book a strategy session with me. During our session, we're going to check in with what's going on with you overall. You're going to get clarity on what needs to change for you to be more in a place of well-being than in anxiety, and it's almost never what we think needs to change. And if after we talk, you want to learn more about working with me, we can do that too. You can book a strategy session with me at dinacataldo.com forward slash strategy session. All right, my friend, I hope you have a beautiful rest of your day and that this episode helps you and I will talk to you next week. Bye.